0: This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm a career coach, and my most recent book is Find Your Happy at Work. I am so excited about today's show. We'll be talking about creativity. Our expert guest is Joey Cofone. He's an award-winning designer, a visual artist, and an entrepreneur. And he's the author of a beautiful new book, The Laws of Creativity. The subtitle is Unlock Your Originality and Awaken Your Creative Genius. Joey says that creativity is not magic. It's a skill we all have. We can develop it, although it does take some practice. He'll talk about how the hardest part for some people is getting started. But sometimes, you just need to jump in and begin. Joey, I love your new book, the laws of creativity, and I'm so excited to talk with you. I've been fascinated by every aspect of the book, so thank you so much for being here today,
0: Beverly. Thank you. I am psyched. This is um, the hi- I think this is the highlight of my day. I got to tell you, I've been looking forward to this.
1: Oh, good. Well, then we're both getting off to a happy start because I feel the same way. So yeah. I do love your book, and I want to get into some of the. Um, laws of creativity but first i'm here in Jazz about work we're always interested in our guest career story and i i found yours particularly interesting because i feel like you've kind of invented and reinvented yourself and and found a path that has got to be rewarding in, in so many ways would you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now but maybe starting with how you got there
0: Yes, yes, uh, I would be happy to. So I, um, I, you know, you sent over some questions for me to think about. and I tried to figure out what, what my goal really was. and I think that you know you this is the first time someone's asking me this in this way. And throughout my career, which I have to put in air quotes because I don't even know if I could call it that mm-hmm. uh, I've always focused on one thing and that's having fun. And I've prioritized it over my income. I've prioritized it over the stuff I've owned. It's always been, how can I have as much fun as possible? And I think it you know, started when I went to college for English and philosophy. And I didn't even think one bit as to how that could apply to a real job. And lo and behold, when I wrapped up, Uh, Not only were there no jobs for English and philosophy majors to begin with, but then it was during the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. So there was nothing. So what do I do? Well, I drew on my walls and friends came over and said, wow, these are beautiful drawings. You should go to art school.
1: Now, wait, let me let me just pause here (laughs)
0: because
1: I noticed that I I guess in your book someplace you said you happen to be drawing on your walls. What do you mean? You were just bored or (laughs) how how did you happen to be drawing
0: on the walls? Yes. So uh, four years were done and I was sad about not being able to see all my friends and go to the legendary cafeteria, four hour lunches anymore. And so I did what any 22 year old might do. I bought a six pack of beer. I think I drank it all. And then I took a bunch of markers uh-huh. and started drawing, drawing all over the walls. And um, I basically just listened to music and drew. And I was just, you know, I had no idea what was coming next. And I just didn't care at that point. Uh, and I enjoyed myself that night. I went to sleep and I woke up the next day and friends came over and they were looking at these things on the wall and they're going, who did this? This is amazing. And I said, oh, I did last night. We didn't know you could draw so well. You should go to art school, and that changed my life. That statement, and I actually was was thought, you know what? Let's try that. And so I applied to art school, School of Visual Arts in New York City, and I got in, uh, and I ended up doing eight years straight of college, including summers because I needed a place to live, uh, and focusing on what I enjoy. The most which is ideas and stories thus philosophy English and then design was a way to express it and because I chased what I enjoyed even though you know there wasn't a whole lot of cash in that back when I started I sort of just got really good at synthesizing these things to the point where and now I had something of value and I in art school I ended up being the top student in most of my classes, and I started a company uh, that's all about ideas. And so, you know, to end at where I am today, um, I'm essentially an entrepreneur and an author now, where I founded Baron Fig, the company that makes tools to help you do your best thinking. And I wrote The Laws of Creativity, which you mentioned, and that's a book that teaches you how to master your ideas.
1: Well, I, uh, I'm i glad you mentioned Baron. I read also someplace that you started that with with friends because you couldn't find the, all the tools you wanted. And looking at what you've done, one of the things you're doing are fabulous notebooks. And I'm obsessed by notebooks. And I kind of think that writing and drawing always come together. Could Could you tell me a little bit more about How you started the company, how you worked with friends, and what you're doing with it now?
0: Yes. So, when I went to art school, I noticed something interesting about myself and my fellow design classmates. We all used two tools a laptop and a notebook. You guys, you know, you might have, um, you and Adam might have a laptop and a notebook next to you right now. I know I do. And I noticed something peculiar. Everyone's laptop was the same. They were all MacBook Pros, and everyone's notebooks were different—different different mm-hmm. sizes, different brands, paper types, and so on. And this this bugged me after a while, and I asked myself, "Why is there ubiquity with one tool and not the other?" And it nagged at me for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, I had a friend named Adam who I guess I complained to the most, and. One day I remember we're sitting at a Thai restaurant It had this red and white checkered uh, tablecloth that really made no sense for the setting. And he, he stopped me and he said, dude, you either need to stop talking about this or we have to make it because I'm tired of just hearing about it. And so, right. and so he, that was the impetus to, to create it. So we both essentially quit our jobs. We put together the first product put it on Kickstarter, looking for $15,000. This is in 2018, uh, 2013. And we raised $168,000. And that's it. And then since then, uh, I've designed and art directed over 100 products from the idea all the way to the customer's hands, which has contributed to the laws of creativity and how I'm able to write the book. Uh, and here I am today.
1: So what kind of uh, products. I, I kind of focused in on the, the notebooks, but 100 products, what what does that include? And how do you come up with the ideas?
0: Yeah, great question. So essentially, I, we started with the notebook because in my mind, the notebook is the best tool to develop your ideas. You're focused. It's, it's just you and the notebook. You know, I always say that you don't need to charge it uh, and you don't have to worry about any glare. It's just there and ready to go and after we created that notebook then it became well are there other types of notebooks we need to make then of course the the following statement was well now that you have a notebook what do you use to write in it and so we made pens and then we made cases for all this stuff then we made ex- more accessories and it just kind of spiraled into if you think about a circle with the notebook in the middle we just drew circles around it to support whatever was within And, you know, it's been a hundred products since then, because we also do limited editions where we'll take our Squire pen and we'll come up with a concept. Like, for example, we had one about good luck and how can we represent the concept of good luck through all the different cultures of the world. And so then we'll do this whole thing to design it and release it. And that's another expression of um, creativity. It's another product. And so... At the core, we have had maybe about 40 products, and then we have limited editions that are constantly coming to do all sorts of fun things and also helpful things.
1: Well, you mentioned the word creativity again, and that takes us over to the book. But, but first, what is your definition of creativity? What kind of creativity are you talking about in the book? And what, is, what does that word mean to you?
0: Yes. Good question. I'm glad you asked that. Everybody, there are a lot of preconceived notions we'll probably get to, but in the simplest terms, creativity is simply the practice of ideas. The average person has about 6,000 thoughts a day. So why not put them to use even more by training your mind through creativity, through the practice of ideas? Another question you know that is important to me is why why does creativity matter and i think your audience will enjoy this when you include creative thinking in your day to day kids who participate in these creative activities are twice as likely to graduate from college adults and this is really important about careers adults who employ creativity at work earn 13% more on average and are three times as happier at work and organizations that invest in creativity have nearly double employee productivity, satisfaction, and triple notable revenue growth.
1: Well, I'm a believer in in creativity. I'm an executive coach and I have all kinds of clients, but a lot of them are in jobs like management or a lot of lawyers because I used to be a lawyer. And many of them feel that their work is kind of more analytical. And to me, the way they describe it, it even sounds kind of linear. And when I suggest kind of opening up some new ideas by mind mapping or drawing or things like that, something I often hear is, you know, I'm just not creative. And yet these are people who are doing amazing things and kind of thinking about whatever it is that their job is. So what do you say... To somebody who says "Ah, oh, you know be nice to be creative but i'm just not creative how, how do you help them get started and think about this
0: beverly this drives me nuts this drive this is why i wrote the book because mm-hmm. as we discussed creativity matters and people have it all wrong they think creativity is something only uh professionals do like designers and illustrators and writers and painters And it frustrates me that when I, similar to you, I ask people, you know, I talk about creativity and I'll say, hey, are you creative? And the answer is almost always no. And that's just entirely false. Almost everyone is creative. And, you know, don't take my word for it. This is one of my favorite parts of the introduction to my book where I say, look, I'm not here to prove this piece. Let's let the pros talk about it. NASA the same organization that puts human beings into space and can measure accurately light years away, did a study and found that 98% of kids are at the creative genius level at age five. But, but by the time they're adults, it goes down to 2%. So what is happening? Sy- systematically is in our society, we're doing something wrong. That's killing the creativity. So, to the people that you know you have and clients and the people that I talk to, it's really not saying, hey, we're gonna teach you how to be creative. It's saying, hey, we're gonna remind you of what you already knew.
1: I love that. And so the book, The Laws of Creativity, I, I sort of hesitated at the word laws in the title because you know some of the people <laughs> I know means laws are the things that say you have to stay inside the line but you're really talking about the principles that are characterized the force of creativity right these are just this is just how it is this is breaking down the creative process and these are some principles that can help us understand how to to manage our own cre- creativity is that correct?
0: Yes, that's exactly it. It's like Newton, you know, when the supposedly the apple hit him on the head and then he came up with the law of gravity. He he did not invent gravity. We can of course understand that. He merely wrote down what he observed. And for me, it's the same thing. I wrote down the 39 laws that I've observed because I've had the privilege to be in a position where I've worked on so many products that I got to choose, I've worked with so many incredible creators like James Clear, Roxanne Gay, organizations like Netflix. So
1: I just wrote them down. So one of my favorite of your um, your laws uh, is is one that's kind of counter to a lot of the people I work with who are, who are very goal oriented, and that is forget the end. You introduced the idea that sometimes what we do is embrace the process, and then that'll kind of take you somewhere. Were you thinking about that as you were writing the book? Did you have the idea of this book clearly in your head at the end, or did you embrace a process and it turned into a book?
0: Ooh, good question. It's, it's, it's kind of, we're talking about the meta experience of writing a book about creating
1: uh-huh. and the
0: creating of the book is the is exactly what I'm writing about. And I had that moment so many times where I got to a point where, where I said, I just need to follow this law. And boom, just like that, I had gotten through a, a blocker of some sort. And to answer your question, um, I want to say first that you know, in this chapter, forget the end. It's one of my favorites too. So the book is split into three parts: the the thinking, the process, and then how to be really great. And this is in the process. And what we have stereotypically, if I may say, you know, let's say your type A clients versus the idea that they have of quote unquote artists. So we have those artists who only you know. Again, all this is stereotypically speaking. Want to those artists want to exist in the moment, and they're able to just live day to day and create beautiful stuff. But they can't, you know, let's say, go anywhere with it. And then you have type A people who are always living almost in the future. Is how I describe it. Yes, yeah. that's when you're always thinking about how to what's coming next and how to uh, plan and endeavor and and you know accomplish things. And that's awesome. The key is to n- Be neither all the time but to balance both and so forget the end is about that so so in terms of writing the book I did exactly the same thing I had all these notes that I'd taken for actually 10 years I finally sat down and I wrote the table of contents so I planned ahead I was thinking in the future once I had the table of contents I flipped the switch and I only stayed in the moment and I wrote chapter by chapter And I didn't worry about what was coming next because there's time to review later. And I was able to bust out the 80 something thousand word manuscript in 11 months because of that.
1: Well, I just want to interrupt the line of our conversation here to tell our listeners a little bit about this book as an object. I, as soon as it arrived and I got an early review copy and, I you know, I get a lot of those and sometimes they're pretty awful. So I'm always a little skeptical when I open a <laughs> box. But oh my goodness, for one thing, this is a really heavy book. I mean it's physically heavy. You kind of pick it up and you know, oh, this is something special here. And it's it's beautiful. I, I mean there's this lovely purple and gold cover, but there's also a ribbon a gold ribbon that's sort of, I've been using to keep track of the pages that I'm interested in or where I want to go back to. So that's gorgeous. But there's, there are, the, the pages are beautiful. I'm kind of flipping the pages here and, and looking at the, you know, it's just, it's beautifully put together. So this is um, an illustration of creativity. Did you have a lot of fun thinking about the book as an object and, and making it a little different from other books?
0: I did. I did. Thank you for noticing and thank you for the compliments. Um, you know, what was really hard was not thinking about the object while writing mm-hmm. because, you know, getting too far ahead of myself. But when the time came and I got to be a designer again as opposed to a writer, I had a lot of fun thinking about how can I make the small parts of this book Interesting and unique, and so yeah, we added a, a ribbon, um, which is actually the same ribbon we use in our notebook. So there's a little tie in there. And then my my personal favorite feature, if you can call it that, of the book is: did you notice on the bottom right of every page, it tells you how many pages left of that chapter?
1: Yes, I think that's a great idea.
0: Thank you. It's it's instead of paging forward to say, well, how many chapters do I have left? You know, in a certain ch- reading session, let's say, it just provides the information. And I'm quite proud of that tiny little thing I added.
1: I also like the end of the book where you provided some good summaries that you kind of, I, I didn't, actually, I haven't finished reading the book, and I didn't do it in a linear way. I just started dipping into things that interested me and going backwards and forwards, and you can do that with this. But then at the end, there's a nice summary of the laws, and there's some Um, suggestions of how to respond using the chapters to questions like, I can't create anything good. So if the question is, what do I do, then you've got a list of the chapters that might be useful. So I thought that was really thoughtful, too. It's just a really consciously produced book, I thought. And I could see as a great gift book for people.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that section was very fun to put together. It's a, So you can read the book from front to back, and I, I wrote it to make sure that that would be rewarding and make sense. But you can also use it as a reference and jump in like you're doing and say, well, what interests me? Or someone could say, what is challenging me? And they're able to you know jump in at a sequence of chapters to address a challenge.
1: So there's a lot of creativity potentially, and how a person can use this book. And I think just if you're trying to trigger something new, a new look at something or a new idea, what i found with clients is it doesn't matter where the newness comes in. If you dip into something, maybe it's learning a new language or uh, studying art or whatever it is, wherever you look at something new or look at something in a new way, that's going to impact everything you do. It changes your perspective, right? And so, uh, reading a book like this, if it's not how you normally do it, that could be a creative um, trigger as well, couldn't it?
0: Totally. I like what you said. It it doesn't. What when you learn, it's not just a plus one piece of knowledge. It's 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 not additive. It's multiplicative in the sense that this thing that you've learned can shape all the other things that you know. And I really, really love that because y- your knowledge is a web, not not just a stack of information.
1: One of my favorite um, suggestions uh, that I, I word in different ways, but uh, with clients who are kind of feeling stuck or um, kind of have lost their oomph at work is to learn something new. There is something about um, learning that's special. And I find that Whatever learning path you're on, a notebook is useful for that, right? Because you kind of learn more if you're using your physicality to write about it. Is that something you've noticed?
0: Yeah, it it is true. There's studies that have been done, um, not by us, so there's no bias there, but you're essentially more focused and more productive and you remember more when you use a notebook versus a screen. And that's not to say I'm anti-screen or any of that. I love technology uh, greatly. It's just kind of what's best for the, the job at hand, really.
1: Well, one of the things you need for a job at hand is sometimes you need some self-discipline. The uh, Some people have the idea of artists as maybe a little flighty, spontaneous, um, not structured, but... I like that you included the the concept of um being um structured and um self-disciplined as part of your creative process. Do you, do you do things to kind of discipline yourself? Do you have processes or how do you how do you um help people? I think you had some principles actually of self-governance and self-discipline how how do you suggest people they're doing something creative they want to be spontaneous but they have to be disciplined too what what do you do
0: yeah that's great that's great there's there's it's a resti- ridiculous stereotype that creative types have to be fr- like you know, unstructured and and floating um and I think it it does no one no good service to anyone because then people who are like that think it's justified and people who aren't like it think that they can't be creative. So again, it's, it's why I wrote the book. Um, so chapter 27 is titled Develop Self-Discipline, and it's, it has the law of order, which is essentially saying greatness requires great effort. And it goes on to ask you a very simple question. If you want to go beyond others or beyond where you are right now, Are you doing something that's beyond what yourself or others are doing? And sort of, if you want more, you need to do more. And this brings up discipline and and the principles where, you know, I I have three principles, which is just point your trajectory so you could choose your goals before you act. Otherwise, you flounder. Um, And then you act on your commitments. And this is the big one and where most people get stuck because follow through is, it's challenging. And then at the end, this is where the people who do follow through stop. And the third step is really review your progress. And so for the small portion who does act, they often forget to say, hey, what have I learned? Because let's face it, we're, we rarely get things right on the first try, which means you are going to fail, which means you need to then learn from it, pick yourself up and go. And so that's that's my core um, those my fundamental pr- principles of discipline and how I look at it in my own life. You know, I write every day. I read every day. Uh, I pro- I actually program every day. You know, I, ha- I go through, um, different practices where there's exercise every day. There's meditation every day. There's trumpet every day. And to make sure that, you know, that discipline then feeds into my work ethic. And I just bring it with me throughout the day.
1: So, are there some days where you think Ugh, I just don't feel like writing today?
0: There, there are a lot of days, and those are the days that you have to write. It, when it's easy is is not. You, there's no growth when anything is easy. So, I'm glad you asked that question. It's it's when I don't want to do that thing that I go do it, and that I have plus one to my discipline level and upgraded my ability to go against kind of the, the flow of, of how I'm feeling.
1: So self-discipline is sort of taking a step when you don't feel like it. And you're competing with yourself. In a way, you're competing with the person you would be if you didn't take a step. You try to kind of go beyond where you just feel like doing. And that keeps you moving every day. Is that right?
0: Yes, exactly. It, it's hard, but uh, it, you can't want something more than others have and not be willing to go do something difficult to get it.
1: Well, I'm glad that you also mentioned review progress. It's partly, um, as you said, you learn from everything, from the failures and from the efforts. And um, But aside from that, reviewing everything can be part of the reward because you notice something that went right that maybe you didn't uh realize at the time you can if if you keep looking at where you've been and how those little steps are stacking up it can be very gratifying and that helps you to motivate your future steps because you kind of when you're reviewing you allow yourself to celebrate a bit as well I think don't you think
0: yeah you can pat yourself on the back and say, hey, this is what I got right, and this is what I didn't get right, but now that I'm seeing it, I can learn from it, and I'll do better next time.
1: Well, I use a notebook, pen and ink kind of notebook, for my sort of self-observation, and I find um, that, you know, I'm sometimes better at it than other times, but it really makes a difference. That kind of both charting and acknowledging is is a, is an important part of that process. Well, let me let me ask. This is so fun, but we're running out of time here. So I, I want to thinking <laughs> about listeners we might have out there who are thinking, "Oh, I'm not creative, but they say you can try. I'm going to try today, but I don't know how, and they don't have your book yet." So. What are some suggestions for people who, who want to start today, where they are, being a little more creative? How, how might they begin?
0: Good question. We're, in my bi- completely biased opinion, go to your computer and order the book. But <laughs> <laughs> kidding aside, if, if, um, if you want to start right now, I would say you need to think back to some of the activities you used to do as a kid. Okay. And again, we're just, you're just trying to say, how can I begin to flex my creative muscle? So, you know, as a kid, you did maybe Legos or you colored or you doodled or you played with toys, even. That's totally fine. And start setting aside 10 minutes a day that's dedicated to that activity. Because essentially what this is doing is teaching you how to play again. Because you see, playing is enjoying an activity without tying it to the future. Right, so that's simple. It's why kids are so good at it and why adults find it difficult because we do have a lot of responsibilities and kids do not. We're always concerned with what's next. But when you learn to play, when you learn to just say, This is what it is right now, and I don't care where it could go, Mm -hmm. you begin to flex the muscle that allows you to flip between the now and the later, which is how you are able to not only do incredible work because you're focused on what you're doing rather than what's coming but it's how you become truly creative where you start to take things that are in new directions because by the very definition of new if you know where it's all if if you know where you're already headed you're not headed anywhere new so you can never know the unknown is unnecessary, and so play is really the only way to get there
1: well i love that and when work is really going well, sometimes it's a team effort and everybody's kind of gelling together. That is, that is play. I mean, and when play yeah. is really going well, sometimes like you're killing it at tennis or something, you're working hard. So, play and great work kind of come together, and I think uh, that is a, a wonderful way to approach maybe triggering more uh flexibility and again like we said the book is a good starting point i'm going to (laughs) mention the whole title with the subtitle it's the laws of creativity unlock your originality and awaken your creative genius thank you so much joey for sharing this with me it has been such fun talking with you and i'm um excited about what i'm going to do to come up with some new ideas for myself after i've finished playing with your book
0: well beverly thank you so much for having me and the kind words and just i love the opportunity to chat and it's it's really cool to hear your perspective on these ideas and so so i appreciate you sharing um just thanks for having me
1: well let's all get out there and have some fun definitely Today, we've been talking with designer, writer, and entrepreneur, Joey Caffone, about how you can become more creative. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that if you're not feeling creative, a good way, To get some more juice is to learn something new. Even if you're learning about something not related to your work, it can trigger a fresh perspective and new ideas. Thanks for listening to Jazzed About Work, and we hope you come back soon.